Dear Tim, the good gift that was entrusted to me, I now hand over to you. Guard this gift, grow it, and pass it on to those to come. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, in the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I enjoy everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them, Himenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Bailey. Um, I'm Brittany, just for the confusion that might have been there. And um, <clears throat> it's so good to be um, here I've been away for the last couple of weeks. The um, the first week was Michael's birthday, and so um, we went away to a batch to the middle of nowhere, where we um, went bushwalking, which was more like um, climbing rocks and scaling uh, cliff faces. It was terrible. Um, everyone came back. It was no, it was actually great. Um, I was fortunate enough to be wearing like clothes from like you know head to toe. Um, everyone else who was wearing shorts is just looks like they've gone bushwhacking. It's, um, yeah, it wasn't a good time. And then last weekend, I got summoned down to Wellington last minute um, to look after my four-month-old nephew. 
Um, my sister was a bridesmaid in a wedding and um, her husband was emceeing in this wedding. And um, I'm not sure who was braver, me looking after a four-month-old or my sister for letting, uh, <laughs> letting me look after him. But um, we provided, I provided hourly updates and um, he was still alive at the end of it. So we're good. We're winning at life. Um, is a large passage um, that Bailey read that we're working through tonight. And um, so we're going to be jumping in and out of it a little bit. Um, so bear with me as we do that. But um, first, let's just pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just um, we thank you that we can come here tonight and worship you um, for the mighty, wonderful God that you are. God, we just pray that tonight as, um, as I speak and as we share in community together, God, that you will just speak to us and allow us to hear and have hearts to open whatever that might be, God. And we just thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Amen. So uh, in church life, there are people who build church community and there are those who wreck church community. Starting, starting strong, team. Paul has encountered this before and I guess now maybe because he's sort of been around a while in his old age, he's just naming it for what it is. And um, because if we leave this bad behavior unchecked, it just slowly destroys what God has created. And in this passage, I don't know if you noticed, there was two people mentioned, Hymenaeus and Philetus. So here Paul was calling them out for the things that they were saying, for, for talking rubbish, for their godless chatter, and saying untrue things about God. And this wasn't actually just a one-off incident. We find in the first book of Timothy that um, Paul is calling Hymenaeus out for blasphemy. And um, so these guys had just been causing heaps of strife within this community. But these two guys weren't on their own. There was quite a posse of people, a bit of a gang, and these two um, just seemed to be the ringleaders of it. Now, it might be a little bit of an oversimplification, but we often find that people fit into three categories. Um, they fit into these groups in all areas of our lives, from uh, families, workplaces, friendship groups, but particularly in churches because these are deeply personal places. Church is a place that combines one's spiritual life, their family life, their friendships, volunteer, financial life. And so we find, out it brings, find that it brings the worst out in people and the best. And uh, churches are a fantastic community, but when we do life together, we find that they fit quite nicely into these three groups. The first of these um, three groups that we encounter are the positives, the people that we all like to think that we are. The positives are the life-giving people, the servant-hearted, the helpers, those who are motivated not by their own agendas, but by God's and the gospel and how it's transformed their life. They confront sin with love, grace and compassion. And you know when you meet them because you feel a sense of genuine care and peace and inspiration because they know who they are in Christ and they just love God. The second group are the neutrals. Some would call them the sheep. And this group is often timid. They don't have a lot of confidence in their faith. They can be easily confused and unsure of who to trust. 
If there are rumors or disagreements going on, they easily become confused, distracted or fearful. And out of that confusion and mistrust, they will often contribute to the spreading around of those feelings of uncertainty. And the last group, you guessed it, are the negatives. And you hope that this group isn't a big group. And there's often only a few, but wow, they have loud voices. This group are often critical, stiff-necked, difficult to deal with, and they're the ones that when they ring or email, you're a little bit scared to answer. These people attack people's character, create rumors or lies based on suggestions or maybes. They act out of jealousy or for their own selfish ambitions or insecurities, whether they realize it or not. Then they act on these untruths and they take on other people's offenses, often without finding out the other side of the story or what the truth really is. It doesn't matter if your friend Joe Bloggs was actually in sin and just being called out for it. But when these people get together, they create a swarm and they sting. Jesus experienced these negative people throughout his ministry, and here we see Timothy experiencing this negativity too. And what's sad in this text is that we see Hymenaeus and Philetus were saying things that were untrue and spreading around these false ideas about God by saying that the resurrection had already taken place. The resurrection is a vital component in our faith, and they weren't denying that the, resurre- the, the resurrection, um, sorry, they didn't deny the resurrection, but they corrupted it by saying that when Jesus spoke about us rising with Christ, it was more of a spiritual resurrection as opposed to a bodily resurrection. And this can lead to a dangerous theology because once you continue down this rabbit hole, it can ultimately lead to a denial of Christ's resurrection. And this challenge to the resurrection also happened in another city called Corinth that Paul had to deal with. And he wrote um, in a letter to the Corinthians, and, it said, and he said, If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And it goes on to say that our faith will be futile if that is the case. And basically that we are to be pitied. So as you can imagine, this doubting of the resurrection caused a lot of confusion for this community and cause people to question their faith, and in some cases for people to abandon their faith completely. You know, we're fortunate enough to have um, so many wonderful teachers available to us, and um, especially here at BBC, you know, there are so many people here that are committed to learning and studying the Bible to ensure that um, what is taught and shared is thoroughly researched and of sound doctrine. But more than ever, more than ever, we have so many voices around us telling us all sorts of untruths. How many of them do we have tickling our ears with stuff that we want to hear or we want to believe? What voices are you listening to? 
In the last few years, we've had uh, the rise of the social media influencer. And um, I follow some, and um, I've used some for business purposes. And, but, you know, what are they actually influencing us for? To buy my candles? I sell candles. To have people lust after things, to believe in a masculinity or beauty that only exists with a perfect body and certain products. We listen to our peers or our workmates or other forms of media that keep influencing our thoughts, patterns and beliefs to act a certain way or be a certain way. Or maybe you've been influenced to believe things about God that are untrue that God is angry with you or that God doesn't really love you or that you have to work to deserve his love and his grace and his compassion. But Paul isn't letting us off the hook because we choose who we listen to. There are so many truths out there to be shared and sold to whoever is willing to listen. And Paul is saying that this negative talk, these untruths spread like gangrene. And I love and hate the imagery used of gangrene. I always think of the smoker packets. And um, the images just really stick in my mind. And I don't know what you guys know about um, gangrene, but I did some trusty Googling. Um, and quite honestly, initially gangrene doesn't actually look that bad. Um, or alarming, it, the area itself might look a little bit pale and then around the area it starts to look a little bit puffy or red or swollen. But as the infection increases, there's a loss of blood supply to the area in the body and which causes the flesh to die and because the nerve endings die, then the bones stop functioning. And although it's most commonly found in the fingers and toes and limbs and things, it can actually occur inside the body and um, it damages organs and muscles and things like that. So as gangrene destroys parts of the body, it messes with your blood flow, which causes veins and arteries and organs to clog or shut down and even die inside of you. Because the body needs blood and oxygen to survive. I'm hoping that I've got this right. If there's any doctor in the room, they're going to tell me otherwise, right? Blame Google. So without, basically without intense surgery or treatment, you die. Okay, it's a really graphic image that he's using here. But these negative people and their godless chatter only lead to illness and a slow death. It doesn't bring any life. It's an ugly infection that destroys so many parts of the body and in our case, the church the body of Christ. And as I said before, although these people cause ugly infections everywhere, we're not off the hook because we choose who we listen to. We choose if we want to get amongst it and join in on the infection. Who are you listening to? Um, over the holidays, there was the annual Cool Bananas Camp where primary school kids from predominantly non-Christian homes um, attend the camp and quite a lot of our um, youth kids go along, um, give up their second week of the school holidays to um, be leaders on this camp. And they just have so much fun. They just do heats of activities and, um, and they just 
whilst they're learning about God. It's just, it's a really cool camp. And um, when I was 10 years old, I actually went on the very first Cool Bananas camp um, where my uncle was one of the leaders. And um, we were sitting there and my uncle Andy came out with this box in his hand. My small group is currently laughing at me because they know it's coming. But if you've ever done kids ministry and um, or met my uncle Andy, he's super animated. And we were sitting there and he goes like this. Now in this box is the most dangerous thing in the world. It is so powerful, it can destroy everything. It is so dangerous that people don't know how to contain it. Can you guess what's inside? So kids would start yelling out, it's a gun, it's a snake. And some smart kid would yell out, it's baked beans. Which in all honesty, in my family is a very toxic gas. But Andy would, yeah, thanks Dad. But Andy would look in the box and build this anticipation, be like, no, it's none of those things. It's even more dangerous. And the kids would continue to guess, like, it's a bomb. It's a nuclear bomb. Again. No. Eventually, he'd open this box, and we're all waiting. He's like, (gasps) and he'd pull out this giant, covered in blood, cow's tongue (laughs) and he'll be like it's the tongue don't you know it's the most dangerous thing in the world seriously it was actually so disgusting um I'm sure if it was wasn't done 20 years ago and done today they probably would have received some complaints and um as kids went home vegetarian um I remember sitting there trying not to be impressed. You know, I was 10, like I was one of the cool kids. You know, I was like, "Mm, well played, well played. Mm, You got me. But I actually never forgot it. And, um, you know, look, my point is that the tongue is dangerous. And when we forget this and we don't guard ourselves from not only what we say, but what we hear, we just run into all sorts of trouble. Because we're the only ones that can take responsibility for the use of our tongue and our ears in our own lives. The tongue is dangerous. But what's almost a twist in, in this um, letter that Paul continues to write to Timothy is he's almost politely says this. He's like, nevertheless, never mind, Timothy. Don't even worry about this. Don't concern yourself with these people, these people saying these bad things, because Timothy, God's foundation stands firm. I want you to rise above it. Paul was wanting Timothy to avoid having a poverty mentality about God. What do I mean by that? is that it is so easy for us to look around at the grumbling, the fighting and the people distorting the image of God and get caught up in it and forget that God is still in control. It's like that film that came out where God uh, saying that God's not dead, but God's not poor either. He isn't walking around in dismay, not knowing what to do and getting caught up in the quarreling. We're the ones with the spiritual amnesia. We're the ones who have forgotten who God is. 
Not only do we have a poverty mentality about God, failing to remember the impact he has had in our lives and the lives of others, but we have a poverty mentality about ourselves. Thinking that we don't have much to offer or who are we to have anything to offer? Jesus is coming back, so I'm just going to chill out till that happens. Well, Jesus is coming back and until he tells me directly to do something, I'm just going to wait because I wouldn't want to do anything that's not in God's will, right? And this often happens because there have been times when we have tried or attempted to help in a situation, offer the hope and love of God to a friend and nothing happens. We lose control, we get tired of the fight and so we give up trying. It's a learned helplessness. We give up on reading our Bibles because we struggle to understand it. When we pray and our prayer wasn't answered in the way we wanted, we give up and learn to be helpless. When I'm sick and the Bible tells me that I'll be healed, when the world tells me I should be worried and God says he can give me peace, when I'm afraid and God says do not be afraid, we find we let our past experiences dictate our future responses and we choose to remain helpless and give up on God. We lose sight of God's foundation, his greatness, his power, his might and his glory. And we, in our giving up, we give up on ourselves. But Paul is saying, remember, remember who God is. In verse 8 and 9 in this chapter, in the first half of what Bailey read, Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation, which is Jesus Christ, and with it eternal glory. Don't be fooled by suffering. Paul, who was sitting in jail writing this letter and who was suffering as he wrote, is saying, don't be fooled by suffering. Don't be fooled by my suffering. He's saying, join with me in this suffering for the sake of the gospel. We're after this pain-free, anxiety-free, struggle-free, fear-free existence where we all end up these super-sensitive snowflakes that are not fit for much use at all. We're called to be good and faithful workers and our faithfulness is only determined by our response in the tough times. Let's remember what Paul said in verse 20 and 21. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. As I mentioned um, Earlier, you know, there are different groups within the church, the positives and neutrals and the negatives, especially in a large house like ours. And we have a choice. We have a choice as to whether or not we'll be an instrument that will be used or one that is useless. 
How? The difference is when we choose to cleanse ourselves of the gangrene and the negative use of the tongue and the godless chatter. When we avoid useless controversies and pursue God, we at a minimum become productive and useful to God. So Paul's point for us is to know who we are. Remember how um, in the first week, Paul reminded Timothy and his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice um, at the beginning of his letter. And Paul was wanting to bring Timothy back to the foundations of his faith, reminding him of what God had done in his life and how powerful these times had been in the past. I was um, listening to this podcast a while back where a priest told a story. And the story was about a family who had a three-year-old little boy and a newborn baby. One day, the three-year-old raced into his parents and said, I need to talk to my little baby brother. I need to talk to the baby. And they said, okay, you know, you can talk to the baby. And the toddler said, no, 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 no. I need to talk to the baby alone. A little bit surprised and cautious, they let the toddler into the room where they heard the toddler, they, you know, kept the door half closed, where they heard the toddler say to the baby, quick, quick, tell me who made you. Tell me where you came from. I'm beginning to forget. You know, it's easy for us to forget. Forget where we have come from. We walk through life seeing and experiencing pain and loneliness, desperately striving for personal greatness and status and acquiring wealth and possessions. We're like the toddler who realized he was forgetting something but wasn't really sure what he'd forgotten. We see this in the way that we have learned helplessness, avoid suffering at the cost of our faith and the gospel, yet we yearn for someone to tell us the truth. As a result, we search for truth and a way forward from those around us who influence in godless and frivolous pursuits, which brings little satisfaction. Like the toddler, we run in begging the baby who knows nothing to tell them the truth. We find this truth then unsatisfying, and so we run to another baby begging for another truth. Again, it doesn't satisfy, so we go to another baby and another baby and keep running and searching, all because we have forgotten who made us. There will always be a Hymenaeus and a Philetus who will capture you with their false ideas. All you need to do is Google anything you want and someone will be there to agree with you. People who will fill your life with fear and gossip who carry the gangrene that will poison your faith and our communities. We find ourselves being caught up in the complexities of our lives, our jobs, caught up with our own egos, our families, and we have so many things that demand our attention, but slowly, bit by bit, we forget. But we belong to God. God made us. We are God's creation that he loves so much and no other truth is going to satisfy. And this is where the church comes in. 
As the body of Christ, it is our mission to serve and encourage each other, carry one another's burdens, love each other as we mind, remind each other of who we are in Christ and where we have come from. Too often we find that the kingdom of God becomes invisible to us. And the role of the church is to make the invisible kingdom of God visible again. The mission of the church is that together through our actions and this love for one another, that we will make the kingdom of God visible. Reminding each other where we have come from and who we are in Christ. And we fail every day. But that is why Jesus is just so important. Because where we fail, Jesus succeeded. And in Him, only Him, in Jesus, can we live who God is calling us to be. Remember. Remember who you are. A child of God. us to remember firstly who you are. Help us to remember that we are yours. Help us to be people who lift each other up, to be people who speak life and remind each other of your goodness, God. God, we thank you for all that you have done for us. us remember that and walk with that and in that every day.